0: Hi guys, today we are here with number two and this is probably one of the most uh, uninterrupted and easy flowing conversations that I've ever had and this is really why I wanted to have Brian on. I kind of have dubbed him the most interesting person in the gym and a big reason why is what you'll kind of hear in here. He switched from a smartphone to a flip phone. He's very inward thinking and open to change and he's just a... a you know, a high-performing thinker and mind, and I really enjoy kind of hearing what he's up to, what he's reading, what he's listening to, and really how he thinks about the information that he's consuming, and then also kind of how he puts that into action with the people around him. He's been an amazing part of our community for years now, and I hope you guys enjoy this. And if you guys don't know who number two is, he's a 4.30 p.m. regular. If you're the morning crew, you're not probably going to see him very much. But I promise you that the thoughts and the insights that he gives in this podcast and that he can give in person if you get a chance to meet him are truly invaluable and something that I know you guys will take a lot out of this one. So enjoy. All right, hey guys, today we are here with number two, having some coffee. Number two, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Good morning, I'm Brian Gianangeli, um, been a member at Friendship for coming up, hard to believe, six years yeah, in fixed. August, um, it's been a long time.
0: Yeah, I was looking at the, uh, the five-year board yesterday, and there you were, and I was like, man, I put that up probably almost a year ago, when we were talking about that, I might have to look that up, see when we're coming up on six, probably, I think you're like end of summer. Yeah, um, for sex. It was August
1: is when I was started, so it's coming up soon.
0: Very cool. And so what you do for a living, you are a lawyer. Yep. You're one of our legal professions that I've leaned on a little bit over the years. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what you do kind of in your day-to-day life when you're outside of the gym and uh, what that looks like.
1: Okay, well, uh, professionally I'm an attorney. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to believe I've been at the gym for almost six years. It's, it's even worse to say that this September I'll be I practiced law for 19 years. Um, I got out of law school, went to law school at Ohio State, got out in 1999, um, left there, went sort of back to eastern Ohio, West Virginia, practiced for a few years, came here, worked for a big firm downtown for a few years, and then about 15 years ago, a friend of mine from law school, he had started a little firm on his own, brought me in, and we sort of built that up from there, and we've been doing that ever since.
0: Nice. And so what year was that? That was in
1: 2003, he and I got together. May of 2003, we got together and started that.
0: Nice. And so you've been in private practice your whole time? Yes. And what was your, like, what's your favorite thing about the law and have you been able to actually implement that? This is one of those things Mm -hmm. that I think is interesting. It's like, I think in school you talk to students and they're kind of like, oh yeah, I'm really interested in, you know, criminal law. And then you see them like 10 years later and they're like, yeah, I never practiced criminal law. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's the exact story, is that when when I was in law school, you know, I sort of, law school was never a big objective for me. I, it's something I decided to do my senior year in college. I sort of like needed a place to land after, yeah. after college, so that was the one I went with. Um, and when I got there, I knew, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought doing civil work, you know, civil litigation would be fun, but I knew two things for sure. One, I never wanted to run my own law firm. <laughs> and two... <laughs> If I was going to do something, it certainly wouldn't be debt collection. And here I am, 15 years later, sort of helping to run a law firm yeah. that does debt collection as its main thing. Yeah, um, you sort of fall into those things as opportunities come along and your life situations change. But that's that's sort of where I ended up, and it, it's been a good. It's been a really good thing for me. The the situation that we're in, it's been much better than what I ever wanted to do on my own.
0: Yeah, and from people that I've talked to that are not yourself because you're not the type of person to humble brag, but you appear to be kind of the best in the business at what you do. Mm-hmm. So, um so that's like kind of small corner of debt collection law that's kind of mm-hmm. like your niche and you're the guy to go to.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, but you know, it, it, it we've been doing it a long time and, you know, it was I think it helped me to be in a couple law firms where like the law firm of Wheeling I worked at it was just throw you into the fire right away Yeah. I mean they I, I got licensed in West Virginia I had to go to Charleston to get my license and they had me covering hearings on the way back so that was good experience and, yeah. and I came to a really high profile firm in Columbus for a couple of years where we're doing you know big money stuff stuff that's on the front page of the paper all the time um, and I think that experience really you know taught me how to be a, law, a lawyer and do it properly and all we've really done in our current business is that we've come in and we said we just want to run it professionally. Yeah, you know, We go in, work a hard eight hours every day, um, and take care of what you need to do. And just doing something simple like that can really put you ahead of a lot of the competition.
0: Yeah, and I think it's cool. One of the things I've had recent conversations about is like that anchoring yourself when you're young on a true hard day's work, right? And the valuable experience that that provides you as you start to go. I always tell people you know i was so lucky at 2425 to work you know 100 hour weeks and be sleep deprived and those things cuz everything kind of ever since it's like you work a 60 hour week and you don't feel like you've worked very much and so it sounds like you kind of had that similar experience i know you're your licensed in ohio and west virginia and then right. pennsylvania also
1: no they okay. well they they tried to give me uh, you know i was working in a firm in wheeling which is in west virginia you're within sight of ohio so i got out of law school i took the west virginia bar They said, hey, you're from Ohio, like, you know, I'm a native of another country or something. Why don't you go work in Ohio in our Ohio office? So that February, I took the Ohio bar, and Wheeling is probably 10, 15 minutes away from Pennsylvania. So we worked there, too, and they said, hey, you know, why don't you take it?" And then I said, no, enough is enough. So only Ohio and West Virginia. But um, it it was a great experience, and, and like you're saying, having that really... Hard work right when you get started kind of conditions you for that. I can remember um, growing up, my dad worked on a railroad. Um, He was a railroad worker, and there would be, you know, weather's bad, you get called out, and he might be gone 24 or 36 hours fixing stuff. So you, you sort of saw that. And I can remember him saying, when I was out of law school and I'm getting ready to start working, you know, you need to get used to working all the time yeah. because my whole life it's been school and there was always an end point like it, Christmas is coming or summer vacation is coming yeah. so I, when I started in um, the fall of 99 I worked at a firm and I resolved I'm just I'm just going to go to work I got to get used to it I'm not going to take a day off I went probably 15 months just yeah. going every day it's just grounded. to kind of mm-hmm. get into that rhythm and it it really helped
0: yeah and I, you kind of referred back to your, your upbringing as very hardworking, right? Um, And I think that you kind of came from a hardworking town, sounds like, you know, all your kind of mentors and people that you looked up to, your father, your, you know, coaches and those kinds of things were all very in that hardworking mentality. So tell me a little bit about kind of where you grew up and Mm -hmm. what that was like. So I am from a town in eastern Ohio, it's called Bel Air, it's it's right on the river. Um, If you
1: take 70 East, right when you're crossing the Ohio River in West Virginia, if you look right, you'll see it. That's, That's sort of where I grew up. Um, very, you know, blue-collar place. Um, coal mines and steel mills is mostly what everybody did um, back there. And I grew up there mainly in the 80s when that stuff was starting to go south. Yep. And a lot of people were starting to struggle. Um, and you sort of saw that. People were losing their jobs all the time. And it was it was very difficult. But, you know, you would see, you know, parents of friends and stuff who are out of work and they didn't want to be out of work. And yep. it was, you know, it was really hitting them hard. and you know i watched lots of people i mean i, I had friends of parents who were bagging groceries who yeah. were parking cars who were scrambling to do whatever they could to to keep afloat and not have to you know fall back on somebody else from her, her for for help and so that was one of the main things growing up was look you know you, you don't have to be great you don't have to be smart you don't have a lot of money just work hard yep. just you know do whatever you can to to keep holding on
0: yeah and support your family and stuff and Mm -hmm. now uh do you feel like have your kids been back there and how do you feel like they kind of how are their experiences in a similar capacity (laughs) because i feel like now like that's a tough thing to show people especially when you're in you know dublin columbus ohio and you know there's opportunities abound and it's a a relatively flourishing city at the time Mm -hmm. or at least for the majority of their lifetime (laughs) um how do you feel like they're taking to that
1: um, it, it's been something that I, had, my wife and I, have both tried to work on with them. In that, uh, you know, and she comes from kind of a blue collar background too. Her dad runs an oil company, um, uh, an oil distributor that he sort of run his own his whole life, yeah. um, and sort of built really into a really good business. Um, but you're right; you're in a you're in a place here where most of their friends and most of the people they're around really don't want for much. Yeah. You know, you, you can kind of have everything you want. And what I've always said that, you know, I've tried to preach hard work to my kids. It it doesn't always work. You kind of got to show it. So one of the things we've always done is sort of make them wait for things. You know, when the new game came out or the new toy came out and everybody was rushing to get it, they sort of had to hold back and wait a little bit because we just wanted them to not get into that habit of, you know, I want it. I got it. Yeah, because that's what you're really seeing around. Yeah, that impulsivity. The time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean that's kind of been you. You talk to my kids. I'm sure they would say that's one of the things I say to them most all the time. Look, I, I really don't care what the grade is. You know, show me hard work. Yeah. I, I would rather see you bust your butt for a C than sort of coast through an A. And Inform yep. the habit now. That's my my oldest son and I had this fight all the time. Like. I know you don't have to study, yeah. but study, because one day you're going to have to, and it's it's better to learn how to do it now than to try and pick it up later when you really need to.
0: Yeah, for sure. That was something that was never uh, impressed well on me, and that was like, I kind of went all the way through. I was pretty good at math growing up, same thing, and I really got used to like not showing the answer, not showing the work, right? Just kind of doing the work in my head. Uh, And that always kind of comes back to bite you in the butt. I think it's really interesting about not kind of indulging your kids in being impulsive. Because I think if you look at a lot of, you know, financial struggles, or, you know, even obesity struggles and things, it's because people give into that, I want it, I got it, like right away. Uh, I think that's going to be something that's very valuable. Do you feel like now that they're getting older and they maybe have some freedom? Uh, do you feel like they're still able to like put that into practice when they're on their own?
1: Yeah, it's that's been an interesting thing to watch because my oldest son Caleb is—he uh, graduated at Kilborn last year, so he just went through his freshman year in college at, at Miami down in Oxford, and to kind of see that play out, and you know, obviously, and one of the things you got to come to terms with as a parent is your kid's not you yeah (laughs) yeah I mean you sort of sit there and you can see all the mistakes they're going to make and you know it's going to happen you don't want them to do it but they're not you they're going to make different decisions so he hasn't none of my kids do it the way I would do it which is kind of frustrating at times but you can you can sort of see in behavior and actions over the course of time where they're sort of getting the message you know it's it's always frustrating that you you say, hey, I'm trying to help you out, here's here's something you should really do, yeah. and they just give you a blank stare. Yeah. You're, you're never going to get the, you know what, you're right, I'm going to change everything right now. Yeah. But if you watch over the course of time, you see them start implementing some of the things that you've been, you know, sort of pounding into their head, yeah. and, and every now and then you'll get a, you know, I've got it from him every once in a while, I'm like, you know, I'm glad you did that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's changed the way that I've done things. So. Yeah. They're all going to make their own mistakes, and which is beneficial, and they're going to learn from it on their own, because that can be a more impactful message a lot of times. But. Yeah,
0: for sure. I do that a lot more now. I think that's something I always tell people, like, it comes in your 30s, right? It's like it's like I said, my te- my parents text more often now telling them how they were right, or thank you for this, and all those things than, you know, I ever did in the last, you know, the 32 years before that, or the 29 years before that, um, just because the perspective is, is so huge. Yeah it's
1: kind of frustrating too because you know you everybody jokes about oh you're turning in your parents but you know a lot of times you geez, you see they were right and you know there's there's some moments where i've gone oh man i guess you know i fought that forever but yeah, i guess that is probably the better way to do it
0: yeah i i feel like you're kind of that like you're kind of you're pretty zen like you're pretty even keel i feel like as a parent it'd be like eternally frustrating that you have like this like wise father preaching these things to them um, on like an even keel when obviously like kids and younger people are significantly more like emotional uh, beings. Do you feel like, well, number one, do you like get emotional and like indulge in that with your family? Like most people probably do behind the scenes. Uh, And then like, do you feel like that is something that has been, you know, tough for them to kind of relate to as they start to go through some of those emotional times?
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I try to keep it even keeled as much as I can. I'm I'm sort of live in the middle kind of person. Um. But obviously, there's you know, learn how to be a husband, a father, a professional, run a business. There there are frustrations. There are, you know, there there were a lot of times, and my oldest son Caleb, you know, I I've said to him several times, like, the other ones are going to have two other kids younger than him, but. They're gonna have it so much easier. Yeah, you were, you were like the test subject, yeah, you were for the sure, guinea pig, and you're where we made all our mistakes. And there were, there were a lot of nights of him and I just butting heads and arguing. And um, I think one of the things that helped me with that was, um, you know, uh, there was a book I read probably seven or eight years ago about introverts and extroverts. I'm more of an introverted person, but you know, reading this book, it was I learned a lot about him and the other people in my life who aren't, yeah. and how different of a personality they are. And it helped me to sort of adjust to that, and you know, I found that we were always butting heads. That like, I want them to do it my way because I know it works, but that way may not work for them. And you got to sort of stand back and say, "All right, do it the way you think you can do it best." And yeah. if it works, great, go with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's it. the the wisdom inherent in that is something that I've tried to turn a corner on these last few years, and something that I constantly try to impress upon Maria that, like, a lot of times you know people are the way they are in in most capacities and trying to make these immediate sudden changes when they're really not to a place that they're ready to accept that change yet is so difficult and you really have to start to like you said study really to hear different people's kind of train of thoughts and hear the way that they think through problems so that you better understand that like the best answer might just literally be doing nothing and saying nothing Mm -hmm. and letting them fail. And that's, I think one of the hardest like lessons that you can learn, but you know, it's one of those things now where it's like, you know, I, I deal with it with like coach development stuff. It's like, I know they're going to make this mistake. I can see it coming. Mm -hmm. I'm watching it happen. Right. And so they have to actually like live through that so that then I can say, do you see what you did? Like, do you see what happens when you do that? And then it's so clear, right? And I think that's one of those things. Do you deal with, do you do uh, employee development? Do you guys have employees underneath you? We do. We have,
1: um, we've grown to, I haven't thought about the exact number. We've had a couple people come and go lately, but um, roughly about 20 people there. Um, you know, and and it's sort of been, it's a business we sort of built from the ground up. So they've just, we've We never had a big master plan. Yeah. It's just sort of developed that way. We got bigger and bigger, so yeah, there are we've had to develop systems and processes, and you know, I, I drafted an employee handbook at one time, which yep. is something I never thought I would do. And yep. That was that's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah, um, to try and get people in a position where they can be successful and learn how to do the job and do it well and, and prosper in our business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I've, I've also tried the my hand at the employee handbook, which uh, it's a funny thing, too, because I feel like a lot of times you put so much work, you put so much heartache, it comes out, it's useful, and then it kind of collects a little dust, right? <laughs> it goes in the drawer. And it's a decent referral thing uh, for people to come back and reference, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you're like, okay, yeah, this is... There's no, I feel like there's a thought in your head, like, I'll write this employee handbook, and then all their questions will be answered, and and it's more like the, you know, it's the, it's like a kid, it's daily, it's constant development.
1: It's the thing you hand to them when they come in, and you talk a little bit about, but ultimately, how they're going to learn the job, and how they're going to do well, is seeing other people do the job well, and so, it's in training the other employees who can then bring them along, is what has met with success for us, I mean, most of our a lot of our employees are debt collectors so they're on the phone all the day you know they have experience in the field they've done this before we do sort of a unique kind of debt collection we collect taxes for the state of Ohio as our biggest client Mm -hmm. Um, and so that takes a little more knowledge about what you're doing and the best way we've been able to train people is to take one of our collectors who was there who've been there for years and years and does it really well and hey go sit with this person for a week listen to what they do follow them along and you know it's sort of, you know, you, you you build the system and you bring people through it and it sort of perpetuates itself after
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting to see how you guys do that. When you came on, you said you were kind of put to the grindstone right away. Mm-hmm. When you guys take on interns or new employees, do you see value in making sure that if they are a young person right out of law school, they may be idealistic or something along those lines? uh, do you feel like there is some value? Do you feel like you are harder on them? Or do you feel like now the way that kind of kids are and the way that, um, you know, everyone always says like millennials, right. But, um, (laughs) but you know, I feel like technically I'm a millennial, so it's, uh, you know, it's hard for me to really associate with that, um, you know, kind of common overarching, Mm. um, you know, pressure. But I think, uh, I think it's one of those things where you have to look at how do I treat kids newer now, it's like something that the army was struggling with. And how do you gauge pressure versus, um, you know, that emotional, uh, that EQ, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, the emotional intelligence.
1: It's, um, you know, we've had the attorneys we've hired, we've had some luck in fact that, you know, they're coming out of law school, so they're not kids. They're, you know, you're 25 by that point in life. So you got some experience. Um, and you know, the thing that I've found is Sort of most helpful with that. We we give people a lot of independence. It's it's not the place. It's not a kind of place where you work where someone's standing over your shoulder all the time. You're, if we're going to hire you, we're going to have a belief that you can do the job, yeah. and we're going to leave you to do it, and you're going to be responsible enough to do it. And and we've been able to do that. I, you know, I think one of the things I've found with sort of younger employees that come along like that, um, you know, people say millennials, oh, they're so lazy, they don't want to work. Yeah. And uh, you know, I found it helpful to sort of maybe give them a little bit of meaning in what they do because mm-hmm. a lot of I found a lot of what people fall down coming out of law school with these are a type personalities and they're driven they want to they have in their mind you know I want to have this job and this position I want to be partner and get this house and make this much money and they have all these things they want to do and as they start ticking them off they're not really fulfilled by it yep um kind of pointing out every now and then you know how what you're doing is not only helping you but helping a client or helping somewhere else, you know, we work with a lot of people with money, and you wouldn't think you want to help those people. You want to get the money from them. But most of those people are in trouble because they just they made a mistake. They had something bad happen, and now they're scared. Yeah, you know, they don't know how to handle this. And if you can reach out to them and say, "We can do this," you know, we can. I, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to take your paycheck. I'm not going to garnish your bank account. Yeah, you know, we can get you back on track in a way that you can manage and get your life together. you really help someone. Yeah. And I think when they start seeing that, um, that gives you sort of a little bit of a fulfillment of what you're doing in work and makes you enjoy it more than if you're just chasing the next paycheck or the next yeah. thing you want to buy with it.
0: Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think the fulfillment thing is huge. And it's, uh, you know, the thing that you kind of have to think about is, as a society, we've sort of put millennials behind the eight ball, where we've told them that, this house is going to fulfill you or this car is going to fulfill you or just having a job or doing these different things are automatically going to kind of put you in a like a cheat code and now you're like happy right Right. and that kind of lie again it's like you start to tick off these check blocks and you feel like oh man awesome like I'm working my way through life the way you're supposed to work your way through life Um, but I think that's the biggest thing is you have to focus more on How are you fulfilling yourself from an emotional standpoint and from kind of a longevity standpoint? Is it something that is contributing? And I think that's kind of the big thing that I've really tried to focus on now is as we start to, if somebody is not responding to me, whether it be an employee or a client or anything else, it's like, have I really explained to them why this is important or why this helps? And if I haven't, then that's really more my fault than it is their fault. Mm-hmm. That, like, Why should they have a buy-in if they don't understand the purpose behind it? Right. That's so. the,
1: I mean, that's the major vision that people have nowadays growing up. I mean, like you said, you set your... Well, I, I noticed it really when my son graduated high school last year. I really started to pick up on it as as you're approaching graduation. You're going through it. You're going to all the parties. What everybody is saying to him is, get out there and find out what you want to do you know you know have fun in college this is you got a girlfriend now i have a girlfriend oh you don't need a girlfriend now this is all about you and you know and and all the advice well meaning I mean people aren't being bad about it but they're just saying this next four to seven years is you 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 set your life up the way you want to have it yeah and that's what people go and try to do and then they get out of college into the work world and it doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, that's not how jobs are. That's not how marriage is. And yep. and now suddenly they're frustrated like I'm doing everything everybody told me to do. Yep. And it. Why does my life suck? Yep. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the things I've been big with my son. I, I'm starting in with my daughter now who's going into a freshman year in high school next year is, you know, one of the things I say to him all the time is ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Yep. And if the answer comes back, it's for you because I really want to try and find another reason. Try and find something outside of you that you can focus on, and you're going to be a lot more fulfilled by what you're doing than if it's just I'm checking off the next box on my list.
0: Yep, yeah, it's like uh, you know, if the answer is, you know, I'm for people who are in the workforce, I'm working harder so that eventually I can work less. It's like you're it's, that's never is <laughs> never going to make any sense. It's kind of a, a broken thinking. But I think that's where now I've really started to focus more on, um, you know, I think a lot of times there always needs to be some degree of work on yourself, like internally as a person in terms of, you know, how do you express gratitude? How do I, you know, can I control my anger? Can I control my frustrations and some of these issues that a lot of people deal with? And obviously you have to have that stuff dialed in before you can really start to help other people. But now, and this is a little bit about like what my podcast was yesterday, but I've really been kind of trying to indulge this thinking more and more is how can I contribute on to other people, right? Um, whether it be with information or knowledge or support or communication, whatever it is. And I think that's where, but there's no communication about that. Nobody ever talks about it. It's like, you know, again, even if we are helping people, even if we are helping clients, um, you know, that still falls within the scope of like, you're also just doing your job. Um, and so then it's kind of like, you know, at first I thought, okay, I want to contribute. Oh, okay. I'll go spend more time with charity or with something along those lines. And even then it's kind of like, okay, I'm contributing, but do I feel like there's like a real tangible effect to this? Mm -hmm. And so now I've tried to take more meetings, more, uh, do a little bit more like mentoring type stuff where I actually can, you know, give somebody some actionable steps. I can actually start to think about like, cause it's so easy when you take a couple steps back and I feel like you'd be great at this, taking a couple steps back, looking at an issue and then just kind of like providing a little bit of guidance or feedback. Um, do you feel like have you, do you have a mentee? Um, do you feel like you, uh, you want a mentee?
1: Well, I, I mean, I have three involuntary mentees and my three kids Mm -hmm. and you know they're they're not always happy to play that role
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not a volunteer role (laughs) that's
1: that's where a lot of it's been focused i have worked with a couple younger attorneys who have come into our office but uh, you know nothing specifically but you know um i I think you're you're right on with what you're saying and in that um you know, you go work with charities, you want to do stuff, you want to help people, but sometimes you're everybody's busy and there's a yep. lot to do and it can just become another thing that you gotta get through and you're yep. right. And I think this is what I've enjoyed listening to your podcast because in every one you've hit this sort of little piece of information, advice that's really helpful. But the the overriding theme in all them for me is that to do these things that you're talking about and to be helpful in your life, you sort of gotta step back. You yep. gotta stop and take a look at where you're at and what's going on and find that sort of reason outside of yourself as to why you're doing this or why that's helping. And when you do that, it it's really a game changer for a lot of people. So, you know, talking about mentoring people, that's that's one of the biggest things that I've always told people is just take a step back, yep. think about what you're doing, look at the reason outside of you or whether it's fulfilling you as to how it's helping others, and it'll, it'll make a big change in your life.
0: Yeah, I always heard it, you know, uh, there's that kind of great analogy where you know, you're in a rainforest, and, you know, there's people who are, you know, they're the ones looking at the bark, like they're staring directly into it, right, and then they decide to cut it down, and then behind them, you kind of have the foreman telling them, you know, hey, yeah, cut that tree down, don't cut that tree down, we're going to keep working our way through the forest, maybe they have a little bit more oversight, and then behind that, it's like, okay, then you have headquarters, and headquarters has, like, the three hundred and sixty degree satellite views and they can see everything and they're the ones really trying to make sure that like we're every now and again we're taking that real step back and making sure that we're looking at like, are we even going the general right direction? But if you end up too long in that, you know, head down, you know, I'm just constantly bulldozing trees, which in this analogy, bulldozing trees is you know, taking on the urgent but unimportant things. It's the, you know, it's the emails, the text messages, the, um, the small little tasks that like, if they didn't get done, like, eh, you know, who really cares? Like it's, you know, it would be like this minor deal or this minor setback. And like, you could totally get to it when you're bored and free. Right. But we get consumed with that stuff. And, um, you know, one of the things after this past weekend, I've really tried to encourage my coaches to do is really block emails and block text messages in terms of this is when I'm going to take the time to sit down and really thoughtfully think about how am I going to answer client emails and client text messages. Because it can be one of those things where the coaches can become, you know, bogged down with some of those things sometimes. And it's like, and it becomes, I mean, you literally see it. It's like like this little gremlin, like, hops on their back and it just, like, sits there all the time. And Marie will get home sometimes and we'll get home at, you know, 9 o'clock and have to make dinner. And you'll look at her phone and there'll be, like, 37 text <laughs> messages and 23 emails. And you can just tell, like, that gives her anxiety, right. which is going to transition us into your flip phone right Um, and so my dirty cell phone secret (laughs) so Brian a few uh, a few podcasts ago kind of told me you know there seems to be this overarching theme in your podcasts that you like hate modern cell phone technology and uh, and you're like on this like battle against it which is half true half not right it's Mm -hmm. more like the lack of control towards that technology that I have a problem with uh, or the lack of self-control so tell me about what prompted the change in the cell phone, and then tell me how that's kind of been going.
1: Well, um, here, look, I'll even, I'll even
0: yeah, I want to see it. Pull it out and set it out. Like oh yeah, test. <laughs> that is <laughs> awesome. I love it. <laughs> it's an actual flip. It is for sure. Oh, that's um, so sweet. <laughs> you haven't seen one of these in so long. It's so good.
1: If anybody wants, just ask at the gym. out and show it to people.
0: It's a tank too, man. That thing's yeah. not going to get broken. No worries <laughs> if you drop it.
1: Um. For me, you know, I take a lot of grief about this, especially from my wife. It drives her nuts. <laughs> I'm stuck in the '80s or something. Oh, I love it. Though. And, I, and I'm not. I'm not anti-technology. I'm really not. I mean, it's something in my business. I got to use technology all the time. Yep. And, and social media too. I mean, the, like the the greatest thing that happened in debt collection in the last 30 years is Facebook. Really? I mean. I don't know if you know this, but people put a lot of information out there on
0: Facebook. Oh I yeah, for it's sure.
1: Probably not a good idea when you owe lots of money to other people who can go and see that. I've got a new
0: Louis Vuitton. <laughs> we, we,
1: we've had that situation. Oh yes. man, that's crazy. Um, but so I use it all the time. Um, but like we were talking about, it, you know, it's as you're getting older and you're getting into more responsibility, you're getting in your thirties and you're trying to be a parent and be a husband and be a professional. Um, you're finding yourself unfulfilled or unhappy. And, and what I found helped me with that is a lot of the stuff you're talking about is really just taking a moment and stepping back and thinking about what you're doing. Why is this not working? Why are things not the way I want, want them to be? And for me, you know, that always happened when Essentially, I was bored. You know, I I don't sit down and say seven thirty to nine on Tuesday. I'm going to think about stuff. Yeah, it's when I'm walking down the aisles at the grocery store or standing in a twenty person line at Chipotle. Yeah, like you said in your last podcast, when you start reading and five pages in, you're like spaced. Yeah. You know, that's when the wheels are turning for me, and that's when I've I've come to figure a lot of stuff out in those situations. Yeah. And. The emails, the texts, the, there's so much out there to just trying desperately to grab your attention. Yep. You know, I found that if if you if the internet's in my hand, you yeah. know, it's going to get me. I'm not really good at at monitoring myself and keeping myself away from that stuff, and it's going to pull me away from something that's really helped me in life and, and allows me, I think, to help other people around me. And the benefits of having that time to just space out and think and figure things out are so, have become so beneficial to me that what a smartphone brings to me yeah. is, is not worth the trade. I, yeah. I just don't trust myself. And I'm not saying that everybody that has a cell phone can't do that. Yeah, um, I just don't, I don't trust myself to do it because I've been in that situation before where, you know, in my job, I have a laptop at work because we have different office locations and I bring it home a lot and. You know, it's 8:30, and I'm in the middle of a good book, and I'm going to sit down and read tonight. And yeah. I say, eh, "Well, I'll answer that one email." And the next thing I know, it's quarter to 12. I'm up past when I wanted to be. Yep. I haven't read, and I'm on the. Fifteenth Twitter feed of somebody I don't know, yep. seeing what they said about yeah. something that happened today.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's that uh, you know, if if discipline doesn't work, then in, you have to put a system in place, right. and that's kind of what you've done. And I almost go backwards. It's like a lot of people say you can't rely on discipline, which I think is so true, at least mm-hmm. in the long term. It's like I, I like to think that I'm decently disciplined with technology. But just like you said, there's always that night where I get on YouTube hockey fights, and it's like all of a sudden it's like, man, I'm, I'm thirty videos down. I'm watching some documentary on some fucking guy from Canada or something. You're just like, why? How did I even get here? Right. You know? And you're in down the rabbit hole you go. But just like it's you said, it's you like, I, I mean, that last like little bit what you just said, I, I think it's it's so phenomenally true, and it's something that people need to be so aware of. There's um there's a great discussion. At the seminar I went down to in Orlando, and they were talking about how people consume information. And they were talking about, you know, high performers, if we talk about kind of that top 10 or 15% of people, uh, they consume mostly podcasts. But what they say is the top 1% of people, they'll drive in silence. They will invite walks with zero entertainment, right? They will force themselves into situations where they have nothing a meditation time, mm-hmm. basically, is what you would call it. Uh, and I think that that's one of those things where when you start to see that, and again, I'm, I'm big on like paying attention to the habits of people who sort of seem to have it maybe figured out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of those ones where just like you said, I started now trying to commute with total silence, right? right? No radio, no music, no nothing. Maria doesn't go total, but she, she found those. there's a radio station here in Columbus that plays like classical piano. I'm convinced it's a guy Mm -hmm. in his basement. Um, that's like, just like playing these old records all day. Um, she plays it really low. And so I think she's kind of in a roundabout way, sort of doing the same thing.
1: It's funny. I mean, you mentioned that is that that's what uh, honestly in the, in the beginning, that's what sort of kind of turned me on all this is that when we were starting out our business, um, like I said, we work our, our contracts with the Ohio attorney general. And so I'm working all throughout the state of Ohio and we're, at the time we're a small business and so if there's a hearing in Wapkaneta, yeah, uh, I'm going to Wapkaneta, And I find myself driving all over the state all the time. And, you know, it was the time when sort of like satellite radio and that kind of stuff was just coming out. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, wow, that would be awesome. I could listen to any kind of music I want. I could if I want to hear talk, I can hear anything I want. But what I started to see was I'm in a car for two hours and my mind's just gone. And, yeah. and you know and it's it's kind of quiet I, there may be music going in the background but the whole time in that drive I'm turning I'm churning I've you know I've, I've got three kids and they're driving me nuts and how yep. am I going to do them and, and I'm figuring things out and that's what really turned me on was that silence and long drives in the car and then you you sort of start to apply it to other places like I said you know the 20 person line in Chipotle yeah all 19 other people got their cell phone Oh, up. man, it's, and if, yeah. And if, That's and so if what I had me. one, I would be right there with them. Yep. I would be the worst of the bunch. And so there are a couple things in my life. I don't do it all the time. But there are a couple things in my life where, you know, they proved to me to be so beneficial. And I just, I don't want to rely on my discipline. So I just, I cut out the other side. Yep. Um. You know, my wife would tell you, you know, you, you, you go too much, you're too far over the edge. And she's yep. right. I yep. I mean, I am. I could probably handle it if I didn't. But... I just, I, I like what I got and I sort of, I don't want to mess with
0: it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, we're very much that way with nutrition and mm-hmm. I started this way a long time ago and I still to this day do it. And I think it like, it's made people like legitimately mad at times. Um, but I have a pretty hardcore rule where like, if there is a cookie, if there is a cheap food in the fridge in my house, from the time that the bag gets open, the thing gets popped, whatever. I've got about 15 minutes and I'm going to indulge in it. And then it goes in the trash Mm -hmm. and it touches. And I mean, I dump it. Like if it's cookies, I turn it over. So it touches all the crap, right? (laughs) And like you just remove the option. And that's been something that I've really stuck with for a long period of time. And so it's just kind of this like the clock is ticking, right? I've got 15 minutes, cram as many chocolate chip cookies as I can. Mm -hmm. if if there's any sitting left, there's no put it in a bag and save it for later. It's trash time, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the, it's the only system, the only way that I've found outside of just period not buying it. Right. But obviously over time people will bring me pretzels Mm -hmm. and stuff like pretzels are my go-to. Um, and so it's like, uh, you know, Andreas bought me these there's these, uh, amazing. Oh man. They're, uh, they're Snyder's gluten-free, um, honey, honey Dijon and like onion or something. It sounds so gross greatest like yeah. thing in the world right and they go so well with a beer and but it's same thing it's like okay i've got one beer and i've got this bag of pretzels mm-hmm. as far as i get in about 15-20 minutes and then like and then they're both you know they're gone but that's the only system that i've that i found does that um
1: you've hit the two that the the two where i do that is is quite a long time and in, in nutrition and i've talked to ellie about this before that i sort of through a weird set of circumstances, I I started eating paleo about five years ago. Yeah, And it wasn't to lose weight or get in shape or anything. It was just, you know, my wife started doing it. So I'm like, I'll do it with you. And it got me over like massively terrible heartburn problems. Like I was on, my doctor was telling me at the time, you know, you need to think about surgery. The medicines aren't working and they're starting to make you take other medicines to chase the side effects. And I just sort of stumbled into this. And within a couple of weeks, it was all gone. Yeah. I mean, just it was crazy that it, it all went away. And that's one of those things like it required me to give up a lot of stuff I love. Yeah, I mean, my grandparents were first generation Italian immigrants. We um, ate yeah. ethnically all the time. And <laughs> yeah. like, if I'm going to do this, I can't eat a lot of that stuff anymore. And I just I got to be you. You got to enforce the discipline there because if I if I start back down that road, yeah, it would be good. It yeah, would taste really good, but. Yeah. I was sitting up at three in the morning, going, yeah. is this a heart attack or is yep. this heartburn? And I don't want to go there.
0: Again? Yeah, for sure. And that's like, Grant had the exact same experience. Grant was, you know, constantly and really almost his whole family was having this, this big thing, like these gut problems and all this different stuff that nobody ever talked about. Right. It was just like, Hey, we're all experiencing this thing. And so when Grant and I started to live together and I really started to dive into nutrition stuff and we started to kind of eat this way, he just kind of knows like all the, all the problems, they just kind of go away. And so now it's the same thing, you know, we travel and we, you know, he's, he's totally gluten free. And so we'll travel and we'll look for restaurants. We do these things. And it's like, you know, I think that some people see that as like, oh, it's this like minor inconvenience, but it is, it's such a minor inconvenience. Right. And, you know, yes, you maybe have to turn down, you know, the Italian restaurant right. in, in, you know, in place of, you know, a Mexican or like a, a steakhouse is always kind of a good call. But uh, but yeah, once you get into that structure and you start to feel good, mm-hmm. it's like yeah, I don't I don't ever want to feel bad like right. that again.
1: And I and you know on the other end of it, I've I've learned that you you kind of got to make accommodations the other way too. You gotta you gotta think of other people because yeah, because your wife doesn't have that. She right? she doesn't have that, and, and and I can see where it can be anno- Like, uh, I, hey, I want to go get ice cream. Yeah. all right, sure, let's go. Yeah, then I don't get any. Yeah, and you know, so you I, I've got to take into account her views or the views of other, and, you know, we'll go on vacation, I'll go off the wagon a little bit, yeah. you know, and you you got to indulge a little bit, but, you know, I, I hope that over the years I've built up enough of a system and enough of a discipline that i can have a little bite here and there and, and a little cheat here and there, and that you can keep yourself online, but, you know, still kind of take into account the thoughts and the feelings of other people around you.
0: Yeah, I always tell people, it's like, I I get that I'm hard to live with it's like, I tell real <laughs> yes. time, It's like I, I get it trust me I do but like at the same time it's like this is my system this is what works for me mm-hmm. I think the the drive thing is super interesting and there's this there's a podcast uh that brute strength did and really this is like I mean it's probably two two and a half years ago now it's really when I first started working on myself and it was a guy named Noah Kagan who was I think an original creator for Facebook and then kind of branched off he has a couple different uh, I think like sumo is his or something like mm-hmm. that. Anyway, uh, he talked a lot about how what he found is that working on day-to-day stuff netted him this ROI, right? And let's call it like X. And then when he would go on flights and go to these like rural areas and he talks about, you know, in the in the podcast, I think he talks about it as Michigan, right? Which, um, you know, can be pretty rural. And, uh, and he goes, so I'm on this flight and... And I came up with this idea, and I was alone and driving all throughout the state, and the idea just festered and grew and built, and that ended up being the base of this new app that netted me, you know, fifty million dollars or a hundred. Mm-hmm. Got acquired for one hundred and fifty million dollars, and he goes, "So what I found is like that forced uh, spending time by myself to mm-hmm. think and grow." was the biggest ROI that I could have because it lets me churn through these things. And I think that's one of those things that's super interesting. I've really tried to hone in on, but it sounds like you're kind of in that same boat. It's like I have these big problems. I need to separate. And I think sometimes the problem is is people think that vacations is separation. And I think it's a broken thinking there because vacation is just like you said, like you're going with your family, you're going with your wife, your kids, and you guys are going to be, I was going to say, you guys are going to be doing stuff. You're going to be going to restaurants. You're going to be, you know, boogie boarding out out the beach and like, yeah, maybe get a little reading time here and there, but there's almost never any quiet time, like very, very little unless you're up before everybody and taking walks and doing some things that are really mindful. And so that's where, you know, he says, and this is hilarious. He goes, literally, I just have the, the Southwest app on my computer and it pops up and it says, "Hey, flights to Montana, fifty-nine bucks." I book it. And he's <laughs> like, "I'll just get on a flight. I'll have no plans, no reservations. I'll rent a car and just start driving till I see a place." And he goes, "I do it one weekend every month. I just take two or three days off." Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, "And those are just forced idea creation. I like don't even bring a cell phone. I don't do these things." Uh, and I think it's it's like obviously that's a high degree, and he's you know got right. hundreds of millions money. of dollars to be able to do that, but it is an interesting thought if, you know, especially for like our twenties and thirties people, because this is something I like people just don't do at all. They are constantly, it's like any break, Instagram, another break, Facebook, then emails, then text messages. And you have no original thought creation for sometimes decades.
1: That, that's what, you know, the thing that worries me the most. And like for a while, you know, I was that grumpy old guy like everybody's on their cell phones and, and <laughs> I'm not like that anymore. Um, you know just last Friday we were out to dinner and my wife and I and my mom and we're sitting around and we're having a good conversation. And I look at the table next to me and there's a mom and dad and a teenager and they're all just looking at their phones. yeah it was a time where that would, that would just like annoy me yep. But now it doesn't because you know I recognize that people can manage that people are better at that stuff than I am Yeah. They, they may have their stuff together way better and I'm catching them for a 20 second snippet of yeah, my window, life yeah. so I'm not going to be mad or annoyed or anything like that what worries me is like you said is that people are missing these opportunities but they don't even realize it because yep. it's just become such a natural thing For once that boredom starts to creep in on you once you get that feeling you're, yep. you're reading that book and you're start of drifting off the immediate reaction is Grab some kind of grab a cell phone, grab some kind of technology, go online, and and to, people want to stop that boredom from happening. Yep. And look, boredom isn't great. You shouldn't be bored all the time, but it can be very useful. I I remember someone made the comment one time that Albert Einstein figured out how gravity worked by daydreaming out a window when he yep. was at work. You yep. know, you can you can accomplish a lot of stuff in that time. And what I've tried to tell, I don't go around saying don't get a smartphone, I don't tell my kids, you know, you can't have one, or you can't, they're going to have one, they're going yeah. to live with it, and it's it's going to be fine. I just want them to realize what it's sort of doing in their life, yeah. and to to understand that if you just reach for it reflexively all the time, you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. So yeah. to have it in your head that when you're sitting there, and you're on the couch, and like, I'm bored, and you reach for it to maybe say, well, you know what, I'll just go take a walk, yeah. or, you know, I'll just, I'll do something else, but, Allow, allow yourself to have that time to think. Be aware, be conscious of the fact that that's something you need to do. Yep. Um, and you have to sort of force yourself into it nowadays.
0: Well, and think about it. To go back to the Albert Einstein thing, it's like, really think about it. I mean, is there ever a creation that came out of thin air like that? I mean, legitimately, you think about, you know, Alan Turing or something along those lines. You know, creating computers, creating, you know, the iPhone, whatever it is. You can't have an original thought when you're constantly consumed with some piece the one that gets me and this is this is something I've really tried to focus on and this is what it is like in in one specific scene you're on Instagram and I will see a post okay and I will think oh I've got to go and do this thing and then reflexively my thumb goes again and I get two posts down and I immediately think Oh, I had to do something. What was I just thinking about? And so I start to frantically scroll back up to try to find the post to try to replenish the thought. But like sometimes you never get back there and legitimately all the times and like, and I see myself, I'm like, fuck, that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I didn't take the time to throw the cell phone to the side and immediately write it down or take action on it. And it takes, it's one scroll, it's 10 seconds and You know, I start hearing LeBron James speak on a press conference or something, and then I start thinking about something else, and it's gone. It's gone.
1: We're in a world that that that, all this stuff is constantly screaming for your attention. It's constantly look here, look here, look here. And if you and like you said, people, younger people. I mean, my kids. That's going to be the world to them. They're going to know nothing else. And and you sort of got to impart that knowledge that you can't just. Hop in that river and flow downstream with it. Yeah, you you gotta every now and then step out and say, "Whoa, okay, like what's going on here?" and and realize what it's doing. It's not like I said; it's not necessarily a bad thing, and we don't have to all throw it away. But you gotta learn how to be able to manage it because yeah. if you don't, if you're not conscious of it, it's going to just carry you downstream.
0: Well, and I think it's you know you think about a million dollar ideas, right? Let's say today, let's say billion dollar ideas, all that stuff. It's you have to adopt the habits of somebody who's had billion dollar thoughts before, and it's it's not going to be something that's unique to those people. They they're all going to share that same similarity where it came, it came to them in something where they were bored or doing nothing or in some other aha moment. And there's all these stories of this, especially like if you go back like eighteen hundreds to you know like Tesla and so on all of those, it's, they share the same, not, it's the same story. Right. It's, they were bored. They had nothing to do. They were stuck in a field. They were, uh, you know, at a patent clerk or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But you know, now people, you know, they want to be, they want to win the lottery. And this is why lottery winners fail is because a lot lottery, lottery winners win the lottery, but they have no habits of a millionaire. And so when you don't have any of those habits built in, boredom creeps in. Now I've got the money, I buy the immediate impulsive thing to satisfy that boredom, and inevitably I bleed through all the money, mm-hmm. right? Because there's zero habit of how do I, you know, I didn't grow wealth the right way.
1: The system isn't in place. Exactly. And, and you sort of see that with, I, I I notice things pop up every now and then. I just saw one a couple of weeks ago, of, of all people, Simon Cow. There was a little article out there where he said he hasn't turned his... Smartphone on in twelve months. Yeah, I mean, here's a guy. I mean, I I don't watch his shows, but obviously, he's had some pretty good ideas. He's yeah. come up with some stuff that nobody else thought about. Yeah. and been really successful about it, and he's sort of hit the point where, like, you know, I got to step away from this a little bit um, in order to keep doing what I'm doing and yeah. to keep being creative like I've been creative.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, you know, Tim Ferriss is one of my one of my favorite podcasts, and you know, he just did uh, I think it was a month long. Total silent retreat, mm-hmm. and you know, and then he sets really extended periods of time. Uh, I think now he's got his vacation email responder to once a month he responds on email, and you know, I think that it's easy to say, well, I could never do that with my business, or I could never do this, and it's like, yeah, you know, try. Like I think it's it's I think that's where people's fears they tell themselves stories in their head that there are these urgent things because they want to be consumed by the urgent things, kind of underneath, but they aren't necessarily real requirements mm-hmm. you know
1: well you take uh, you can turn that around back to the nutrition thing is that's for i mean i i dealt with increasingly bad indigestion heartburn problems for years and years and years and, the, and, and i knew all along that all you got to do is stop eating certain things you got to change the way you eat but oh i would always tell myself i can't i can't do that can yeah not eat pizza i can't not eat all these foods i grow i would be miserable if i had to give that stuff up yeah but finally, when push comes to shove, when it's like, okay, do it or have surgery in your mid thirties, yeah. um, I'm like, all right, I'll give it a try. And once you go and do it, you you figure out, yeah, you're you're a lot more adaptable oh, than yeah. you thought you were. You can, when you're really pushed, it, it's kind of CrossFit. It, yeah. When you're really pushed to do something that you wouldn't have done on your own, you find out that there's a lot more in the tank that that can enable you to do it and enjoy it, and get through it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just like, you know, the big uh, thing that we hear a lot is, you know, it's too expensive to eat healthy, and then you look at it, and it's like, well, you are nickel and dimed all over the place with, you know, Starbucks, and Arby's, and Chick-fil-A, and all these, right. and you just don't think about the fact that it's, you know, eight to ten dollars every time. It's like, okay, let's go buy, you know, an eight to ten dollar portion worth of grocery store food, And and again, it's, I mean, I I hear it three times a week and you're like, no, like it's really not like, I understand that you've got that story in your head that you can't do it because it's expensive. And that's an easy one. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like, especially when you look at the opportunity cost for avoiding surgery and some of the other issues that are going to come and complications and healthcare costs. And again, you know, we were talking before we got on air about playing that long game. Right. It's like, you know, if you really look at... We just worked with Diamond Hill from a corporate wellness standpoint. We did a challenge there. And I like working with those people because I can talk a little bit about or make the analogy to an investment. I mean, legitimately, this is one of those things where you're, you might not see your return for, you know, the first few years. But when it saves you having, you know, open heart or esophagus surgery or something right. along those lines, like... Yeah, it's a no-brainer. You know, it's like there's no, there's no real value even that you can put on that. Probably and that's
1: what uh, I think in your podcast. You're helping a lot of people with that. And What you're talking about being a mentor and stuff is that, you know, a lot of times, you know, people say, "Oh, I can't do that." They they need someone in their life. Not not that you know you're smarter or a better person, to everyone, but uh, but to have a different perspective to sort of kick you out of that rut and say, well, "Why can't you do that?" Yeah. Really, take a look. Take it. Give it a try. You know, and and sort of push people into doing that. It's one of the biggest things CrossFit ever did for me was to sort of push you to a place where you wouldn't have gone on your own, yep. and realize, wow, I can do this. Yeah, it, it, that's that's kind of cool that I can do this. I want to try and do this a little more.
0: Yeah, and I think that's it. the cool part about CrossFit is not only do you get that aspect, but I also feel like there's this resetting path where. So many people, like as we're talking about, will go through their whole day and they'll do nothing that's really innately human, right? Like in terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, like we are kind of animalistic. We have these things, these receptors set up in our body to make us feel good when we actually, you know, use our body the way it's supposed to be used. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the big things that people maybe don't appreciate sometimes with CrossFit or really, I would just say, hard, intense exercise when they're first getting into is it is it. It takes all that, you know, brain power that's being used a million miles a minute with all these things, constant input, and it quiets all of the noise. Mm -hmm. It resets you. And you'll see people who are having, and I, I, my first go to, if I'm having a rough day, first go to, go and get a workout in. Mm -hmm. It totally resets you. And it takes all those little problems that are eking on you and all those little conversations that you got to have and all these things hanging over your head. And it just is like, just gets rid of it, totally. And so I think that's where, uh, when I look at what CrossFit can do for people, obviously the physical aspect of it is great, but I think that mental reset is something where, I, Maria and I talk about it all the time, it's like, and you can tell. It's like, if she goes three or four days without working out, or I go three or four days without working out, it's like, the stuff builds. You start to get more agitated. And now I think it's, it's one of those things where, that's one of the biggest things I tell new people all the time is, this is what this can do for you. You sound like you got a lot going on, right? Mm-hmm. There's, you just broke up with your boyfriend or you got divorced, you're moving, you're, you got a new job. You just came to Columbus. You got all these things going on. Like mm-hmm. this will kind of give you a little bit of a firm root in the ground, give you a system to just chill out a little mm-hmm.
1: bit. I, I I probably told you this before, but. Thing that kind of hooked me was the, the second workout I ever did. The second real class coming out of On Ramp I ever did was a Hero Workout. Yeah, um, and it was a 45 minute Hero Workout, and I I didn't know anything about it, and you know, we got into it, and it was like an 800 meter run, and I can remember going out the first run, and I stop on the other side of the furniture store, and I'm bent over, and I'm thinking this is insane. Yeah, and I tell you, if if my keys would have been in my pocket, you probably would have <laughs> never seen me. Yeah, but I was like, well, just don't embarrass yourself. Go in, just act like you're doing something, get this over with and get, and you know, and, but I went back in and I started, you know, okay, we'll do five of these and I'll do five. And you sort of get in this pattern. And like you said, everything else just sort of floated away. I mean, job pressures, everything. And you're sort of in this place where you're, you're not bugged by that anymore. And at the end of the class, I finished it and I was, I was shocked. I mean, I was floored and I'm like, that was a pretty pretty cool experience and that's what really kept me coming back in the door when I first got started was that sort of reset you're talking about that that you know when everything else sort of fades away for a while and you can do something you can be pushed to a place where you wouldn't have gone otherwise
0: yeah and that's you know the sense of accomplishment that you can achieve inside CrossFit sometimes I think gets lost on people once they get to your stage that Mm -hmm. five six year stage it's a really tough conversation for us to have because as coaches, as owners now, I've, I've had enough people who have succumbed to the, I need more, 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 and they've sort of lost sight of the really take a step back and look at how much you already have accomplished mm-hmm. and then really take a second and try to be inward thinking about, you know, what you actually get from coming here, right? Um, you know, you get some social interaction, you get to be in a place where people are pushing you to do something a little bit harder, do something a little bit better, and, you know, the they get maybe too caught up in, you know, well, my one rep max back squat hasn't gone up, you know, in a year. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, you're like, OK, well, you know, if that's where we were focused on this. Like, I apologize because as a leader of you, I did not do my job because mm-hmm. I didn't keep your focus mm-hmm. on the right things. Uh, so I think it's great that you guys have that you've been able to see that and keep that up. And, you know, one of my favorite relationships in the gym used to be a three way relationship, but Kevin finally left on you guys. <laughs> uh, was you and Randy and Kevin, and, you know, all guys pretty similar ages, pretty mm-hmm. similar. Uh, well, Kevin, kids were not the same age. Um, but, uh, but tell me a little bit about kind of you and Randy. I feel like you guys are very, um, you, know, you guys have, God, you guys have probably been doing the 430 together now for five years. You're definitely yeah. one of the longest, uh, like relationships in our gym. Um, tell me a little bit about kind of what that's meant to you and how it's nice to kind of, you know, have a guy in the same life, uh, kind of position as you and, you know, someone to bounce some ideas off of. It, it,
1: it, it is kind of cool to have someone there around the same age and, you know, as you, as you get to know people and you get to talk to people with it, we sort of come from kind of the same background. Um, you know, he was small town, I think Buell is where he's from, so we have a lot of the same perspectives on things, and but like you said, we have kids the same age. His kids are about all out of college now. Mine are. Uh, Caleb is nineteen; he'll be a sophomore. Yeah, college. Ty's almost the same age. As Caleb, yeah, he's I the same think. age. Yep. He's the same year as Caleb, but then mine are younger. My Hannah is going to be a freshman next year, and <clears throat> my youngest son Cameron is going to go into sixth grade. But um, you know, there's the there's the other aspect of Randy that he works in the school district. So yeah. you know, you have that constant. Here's what's going on, and we're talking back and forth, but. Um, you know, it's, it's just really good to have that time when you're in that space with someone who's in a similar life situation with you and you can sort of bounce ideas off of each other and what do you think about this and yeah. and that's, you know, that's most of the time what we talk about is, you know, what's going on with your kids or what's yeah. going on in business and, and bouncing ideas off of each other and in a place where, you know, you're, you're sort of free to do that, you know, yeah. where it would be hard it's to never get, get back party. to your business. yeah. Right. Um, you're, you're just there and you're, that's that's your reset time, and you know you you have a lot of great conversations in yep. that time.
0: Yeah, it's cool to see, and you know he is you know Worthington's assistant superintendent, I think mm-hmm. is his official title. Um, and I know that you're a Worthington school guy, and you like to be involved with kind of sports. And one of my favorite kind of little idiosyncrasies of you is that you love high school football. Right. And so Fridays in the fall now I just kind of ask you, who are you going to see tonight? Uh, so tell me a little bit about how kind of that started and, and then how you've kind of now that's sort of become like your, your thing. Mm-hmm.
1: So where I grew up, um, you know, sort of out in the middle of nowhere, Eastern Ohio, um, like, and it, and it really is kind of comes back on, I think on the, on the hard work thing a little bit too, but you know, high school football was the, was the biggest thing that was, I mean, yeah. you know, on a Friday night, you're, around, everything's shut down. That's you know, you're going to stadiums that are just jam packed full of people and big games. People are lining up two, three hours beforehand. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of the atmosphere I grew up in. One of my best friends, his dad was the coach at our high school for 25 years. Um, and so it was something I was always around. And you know, people get on me about being a Pittsburgh fan professionally, but yeah. I never really got into the Steelers because high school football was just so much of a bigger thing. Yeah. Um, and sort of that's. And I think for a lot of kids in that area, <clears throat> like I said, it's a very blue-collar, hard-working area. And that was a way for a lot of people to sort of prove themselves. And you're getting your teenage years and you want to show your parents that, you know, you're you're starting to get a handle on things. You can do things. Well, here's one really good way yeah. You go out and bust your butt all summer long and all week long. and And not just be successful, but to show them, hey, I can work hard. I can do this very tough sport. So... It was just a, It's just a huge part of the culture there. And when I moved here, and, and it's just something that, I, you know, it's so natural. Yeah. Just something to enjoy doing on a Friday night. You know, you, you don't need to have the best athletes out there. You don't need to have the, the, the highest level of competition. If it It's great for me to go and watch a bunch of kids who are willing to work hard at something. Yep. I mean, and I don't care whether you, like I said, whether you win or lose, whether you play great or not. You go and see a lot more effort in college, in high school football sometimes than you do in other places, and that for me is fun to watch. And that's just it's kind of what I like to do in the fall in the fall on the Friday nights. I I take my kids with me when you know when they want to go a lot of times, and trying to get them into seeing it a lot. But
0: yeah, we um, I like to kind of look at it now and say, you know, we've been to. A lot of John Sansbury, you know, they made the state mm-hmm. semifinals, and so we kind of go to those. Been to some Orange games, been to some <clears> some uh, Liberty games and stuff. And the the interesting thing to me now is the the kind of the student sections, right? And you know, you see you see some good, you see some bad, mm-hmm. and it's always so interesting to me. I think kind of it, it does go back to maybe a little bit more of the the cell phone and the entertainment culture. But I mean, we were probably I was probably the last class or one of two or three of the last classes where I mean, you didn't really get a cell phone in, in high school. I think I, my mom made me get a cell phone my senior year, which was like one of those like emergency phones, mm-hmm. right? Just because I was driving and that kind of stuff. But uh, it really wasn't something where – I mean, there's no entertainment on those phones. There's nothing to do. I mean, I don't even think it had text capacity. And so – I think it's one of those things where that was still our our thing to do, right. and so I mean, if our team, I think our team in uh, my junior sophomore year made the state semifinals, mm-hmm. and I mean, there there wasn't a question. I mean, it was everybody was going, and we packed the stadium.
1: You look forward and, to it all week.
0: Oh yeah, we drove. I mean, I think it was in Troy, and so I mean, it's it's a big carpool, and um, we ended up getting the shit kicked out of us, but it was one of those things where it was like it was there's just no question right you know conversely we went to a state semifinal game last couple of years with liberty i mean the student sections 15 20 kids of a school of i think probably 2500 right. and i i couldn't believe it mm-hmm. i mean it was it was inconceivable to me it was mostly parents of the kids the band and, and that was it and i get it like it's in Maslin, so mm-hmm. you know i don't know it was an hour and a half maybe and, uh, but it's just like, I, am almost uh, like a loss of words thinking about it. And it's like, what, what are these kids doing where like, there's, they're not here to support these right. kids who like, this is an incredible accomplishment for a public school to be in the state semifinals of these games. Like, I don't think people, I guess, you know, have a, have a real understanding of, of how awesome that is. Oh. And that's an amazing accomplishment for kids with, they have very little to no division one talent. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll I'll sort of pull it back to what we were talking about before and what you've talked about before. I think on one of your podcasts about talking about finding your tribe or something like that. That experience you had in high school when you went to that and all that, it's a a real community experience. When everybody is sort of keyed in and excited about this and pulling for this and supporting, the kids are working hard and the fans are there and they're supporting them it's something outside of you yeah that you can, you're finding value in something not that's just personally entertaining you that's fun that you're part of this bigger group this bigger community yep um and it's a great experience and what i think for me and for a lot of people is one of the earliest experiences of look outside of yourself a little bit yeah and i don't know you're right i mean people people aren't following that as much nowadays and, yep. and, and i think it's maybe one of the symptoms of. Just getting into this culture where it's not natural to look for that kind of stuff. It's it's more natural to look at what's entertaining me right now, what's keeping yeah. me from being bored, or keeping me busy. Um, but if you could just if you could just get them away from it, and you'll and you'll notice in terms of high school football, that's a problem with all the tangy schools or yeah. big schools in Columbus. You, you go play a school from a – you run into a school from a small town yeah. um, somewhere, and they're
0: oh yeah, know, who'd they play in the state semis? Um... Man, I can think of the colors. I can't think of the team they played. It was another public school. They ended up winning State.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who... I watched the game. I'm trying to think of who it was. But, you know, they...
0: They're red and... Uh, yeah, I can, I can... But... Menor, but say, Was it menner yeah. Okay. Um, and same thing, man. Their stadium. Their fans. Oh, it was awesome. They had... They had Organized cheers. They. I mean, it was. It was awesome. Gives well, me goosebumps thinking about
1: it. A, a couple weeks. It's funny. A couple weeks before that gate, a game, I was in Paynesville for a hearing, up way up in Northeast Ohio, and the other attorneys from Mentor were there. And we're sitting out in the hallway a half hour before. And that was. We didn't talk about the case. Yeah. That was the entirety of yeah. the conversation. Was this week's game coming up? Yep. And, and people. If you don't like sports or you don't like football, you th- you think that might be sort of silly. In a, in a way, it is. It's just a game. But yeah. it, it, for for the people who really get into it, it's more really the the community aspect of it. Yeah. And I'm I'm part of a, a a sort of a bigger thing that everybody's getting swept up in for yeah. a little bit. Is so much fun and so great to be a part of.
0: Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed uh, the book tribe, and I think it's fun for me to let my mind wander with the the thoughts or the ideas in that and kind of see how I can do that. And I think it's the, you know, it is, if people are left, if you really, if you didn't put much, you wouldn't even have to put much effort into it, but if you really wanted to be just kind of a loner or, you know, sometimes you see, you know, people who are these big celebrities on like social media and that's how they got their fame. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, sometimes I think when you, you know, we've met a few of them and it's like, you spend some time around them. You're like, person is just shallow and empty and you feel bad for them a little bit it's like they don't necessarily have a a tribe Mm -hmm. and now it's like the when you start to see that power and you start to see you know how fulfilled you can be from spending time with your tribe Mm -hmm. right it's like I want to do that as much as I can. Like that's that's how I want to spend my time. And I think that's where you know it's kind of like you're still doing that a little bit with the the mm-hmm. college or with the high school football stuff. And well,
1: I, yeah, my that's one of the big one of the great things my wife my wife Carrie has done for me is that hey, I'm a more introverted person. She's an extroverted person. Yeah. She's she wants to be around people. She wants to be out those out there doing those things. And if left in my own devices, I never would be. Yeah. And she she sort of. Pulls me out into that stuff and pushes me into that stuff that I I don't want to do it, but I, I see the value of it. And if it, if she weren't there pushing me to do it, I'd be missing out on a whole lot, yep. a, a half of my life that didn't exist before and could be real beneficial to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. I love it. Uh, all right, so we're gonna get into a couple few things here. Um, what is your favorite restaurant in Dublin? Where do you like to go now? Especially now that you're eating healthy.
1: <laughs> in Dublin? Or
0: we could say Columbus, too. Um,
1: You know, well, if we're going to go Columbus, I would pull it back to, it would be outside of Dublin. There's a place in Grandview called La Tavola. Oh, yeah. And it's an Italian restaurant, and I know, talked about not eating a lot of that stuff, but they have a broader view of Italian. It's a little place. It's on First Avenue in Grandview. Mm -hmm. Sort of small, big, small place, big community table kind of seating. You order off the special boards on the menu, but it's just Fantastic. I mean, it's the, it is the best Italian restaurant in Columbus in my book. There's a lot of good ones, but there's nothing that even sort of approaches that one. So wow. if, if you haven't tried that one, I would go give it a shot and order off the specials menu. And yeah, the guy does some great stuff. There. I love it.
0: And I love Italian food. Mm-hmm. So that's great. What about your favorite vacation spot or vacation?
1: Um, probably, uh, cause we've been there so many times this, uh a place called St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Um, right about 30 minutes north of Jacksonville it's like a small town on an island off the coast of Georgia my wife and I we actually we got married there Um, we've been there like three or four times Um, but it's a great place for a you know a a beach vacation that's there's no hotels or anything like that on the coastline it's all homes and condos and just really sort of a Laid-back small town, but you're at the beach and having a good time, kind of experience.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure it's it's similar to some of those uh, kind of vacation spots in and around Savannah, which is I just I love that area, that yeah. kind of deep South feel. You're,
1: you're 30 minutes from Savannah, which is a great place to go hang out. And yeah, spend a, spend a lot of time in.
0: That's cool. I love it. I love vacation ideas because it's like, especially if it's beach vacation, because that's about all Maria wants to do, but (laughs) she's going to Colorado next week to hike a little bit. So I'm hoping maybe she likes some of that so we can kind of mix. We can go one, one to one, right? Beach Mm -hmm. to beach to mountains. Um, and then last one. So you're, um, you're very well read, you're very well podcasted. And so you're always kind of tossing me ideas, right? It's like you and uh, John Lesh are the ones who pepper me with uh, new content. And so and I love it, it's 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 so nice to, the, I think one of my favorite things about doing the podcast has been the reaction in people who invite me sort of into their brains or their systems or their, um, you know, different things that they go to for either entertainment or education. And so, and even just reaching out to me like, hey, you know, Avery reached out to me the other day, hey, do you know I grew up on a farm, like I'd be happy to talk to you about you know, GMOs, anything that you guys have any Mm -hmm. interest in. And and so like talk to her and she's just like this wealth of information. (laughs) I go, the first of all, did I sound like an idiot? And she's just like, yeah, kind of. (laughs) And it's like, okay, good. So I don't want to sound like an idiot anymore. So let's work there first. Um, but like, what are some of your go to like podcasts? If you were to recommend a book to somebody, maybe what would it be? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, well, as far as podcasts go, I think I sent you something just the other day from a, a website called the art of manliness. Um, which I've been following now for five or six years. My son actually turned me on to it. He, yeah. he found it, um, but I think it's kind of cool because it's run by a guy called his name's Brett McLean. Um, but he's he's a guy that sort of gets it a lot of the stuff that yeah. we've been talking about, and and he's sort of taken it on to maybe mentor younger guys in their twenties or something who are trying to find their way along of being more focused and being more present and self aware and stuff like that. So he's he's. I get a lot of book suggestions from that because he's interviewing a lot of people and doing podcasts with people who write a lot of good books in that sense, yeah, but at the same time, he does a lot of fun stuff. I mean, you know, like I'll come in and there's something pops up from the morning and it's a uh, it's called the Art of Manliness. So yeah, here's how to change your own breaks,
0: yeah, you know, yeah,
1: here's how to uh you know how to. Cuff your shirt the right way if you want to roll up your sleeves in a long sleeve. You know, just sort of fun kind of oh, stuff I like, like it. that. Which yeah, is really. I've got so. my own
0: way to do that, but I would be interested <laughs> to see if that's the right you have way to or check not. Check
1: and see if you've done it right by him. So um, that's one of the really fun things that uh, I get a lot of content out of. Um, book wise, I mean, I read a lot of different stuff. I, I was a history major in college, and I really that's something I still enjoy. So I read a lot of history. Um, probably one of the One of the most beneficial books I've read in probably the last ten years was one I referenced earlier. It was called um, the title was called Quiet: The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Yeah. So I sort of read this for like affirmation, like, yeah, yeah. somebody doesn't think I'm weird for (laughs) not wanting to do all this stuff. But really, it turned out to be for me an entry into a whole the whole world of people who aren't like me, and how do I better understand them and and deal with this totally separate personality and see the value in it and maybe take a little of that into my own. I mean, and that was the point where the relationship between me and my older son as far as schoolwork and stuff really changed because yeah. I was like, it hit me like, whoa, he's not me. It, yeah, it That worked for me but it's not going to work as well that way for him. Let's step back and give him a chance to do it. But that was, uh, I think, most people were one of those two personality traits. Yeah. And if you happen to have a kid or someone in your life who's not, that's a book that'll really help you understand them a lot better, and oh, that's end awesome. a lot of your frustration.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it just right off the bat, I I already think about a few people. I don't know if they listen to this podcast, but I know that they are members of our community who I think uh, are struggling with that and would really enjoy, um, mm-hmm. you know, having that different viewpoint and being um because i think at this point they they seem to be kind of open to anything so (laughs) i think that's cool the uh the art of manliness stuff it's funny you know changing your brakes so we were talking about the the home that maria and i are looking at purchasing is um you know a huge work in progress and uh you know it's going to be going to be an interesting life event for us but the guy he's probably in his mid 80s or upper 80s now And you look at his garage and there are like timing belts from the 60s hanging still. And he has this tool chest area that like you would not believe. I mean, I'm talking like, I mean, drill presses and grinding wheels and like, you know, probably a billion of the same socket wrench. Right. (laughs) And it's one of those things where when we were talking about it and you look around the house, it's like he built the house with his bare hands He's got this clear like car garage which basically is only missing like a hydro press lift basically for him to be able to accomplish whatever he wants. And I get so – like there's some piece inside of me where like in my previous life or something, I was this like car junkie mm-hmm. 50s greaser dude or something. And I look at this and I'm, I'm – there's something about me that is so envious of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like an innate kind of maybe – I don't know, man characteristic, maybe I'm wrong in that, but I think, uh, I, am always constantly impressed by people who are handy and, you know, they're, they're going to be fewer, fewer and further between as we start to get older.
1: It almost makes you feel a little inadequate. You it know? does. Like, like I, I need to be able to kind of figure some of that stuff out. And, and as you go through life and you buy a house and you do, you, you do start to figure some of those stuff. Yeah. But I'd never picked up a tool in my life until yep. I bought a house. And yep. Started hearing quotes from contractors as to what it would take to do stuff, and I'm yep. like, well, you know, maybe I could figure that out. Yep. Um, but it, it that's a it's a cool website to sort of, you know, you don't have to go spend ten thousand dollars at Lowe's and outfit your garage that way. Yeah. It'll it'll hit you. It'll hit you with stuff every now and then. and Say, you know, it's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll give that a shot. Yeah. Um, he does a really good job with sort of bringing that sort of into your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I hope. Uh, it, you know. One of the things that I found really interesting when I got out of uh, the army, one of the jobs I got hooked up with was being a handyman when I went back to school. And I was in like one of the worst places mentally at that point. Um, You know, I had gotten out. I really hadn't made friends. I was second guessing myself from getting out of the army the whole time because I was so successful there. And uh, I really was not in a place where I could accept the challenge of that. And now it's kind of always like, man, that would have been such an amazing, the guy that I, you know, I kind of became his intern, and you know, he's not going to be listening to this, but God, I was, I had to be the worst guy to have <laughs> to get in the van. He had to be rolling his eyes for like eight months straight before I quit. Uh, Cause I didn't know how to do anything, right. you know, but man, what a learning experience it would have been now, like owning a business and, you know, hopefully owning a house here soon. It's like that stuff would have been, you know, I'm, huge. yeah, yeah. Hiring guys to do toilet stuff and, you know, to do, you know, these big drywall things and, you know, you're watching them do it. And like, none of it's hard, but the, with how practice, like, you know, we always talk about the, the drywall guy who came and he's just like this big, it's, it's an artist at work it's impressive and it's so uh, it's just one of those things where now, you know, we were talking a little bit about like the state of the housing that's kind of being created now. I mean, I think people are going to be shocked, you know, 20 years from now that the premium that those people will be able to charge, because I think it's just going to be, it's like locksmiths. It's just going to be a, a trade that's gone. It's like going just, to be,
1: and it's going to be a huge field of opportunity that a lot of people are, are missing out on.
0: Yeah. We had a locksmith at the gym not too long ago and I was, you know, watching him and man, if you ever get to see a locksmith dump, bring his tool belt. It is like the coolest tool belt in the world and it can, you know, it can pick any lock in the world Mm -hmm. and they do it and they do it fast and they can, they take them all apart and I loved looking at the inner workings of what makes a lock a lock Mm -hmm. and just picking this guy's brain, you know, and I'm sure he was probably annoyed that I was doing this while he was working, but picking his brain for like 30 minutes about everything was just fascinating Mm -hmm. and, you know, at the end it's just like, how did you learn all this? He's like, oh, you know, family of locksmiths. And it's like, that's the only way that that trade is going to be passed down. And I go, well, do you like worry about your future job with all these electronic, you know, locks now and everything being like, you know, Bluetooth, like if you ever sell your house, it's like they, they Bluetooth or RFID into your house. Um, and he goes, nope. He goes, electronic locks, best thing that ever happened to business. He goes, they screw up and mess up way more than anything else. People get locked out of their cars more now than they ever did when it was just manual and, uh, and he's like, so he goes, business is better than it's ever been. And he goes, and the best part is, is there's no other locksmiths. He's like, I'm yeah. the only person in town to call. He's like, so I can charge a premium and I'm always busy. And, you know, it's that's, all again, same thing. We talk about kind of kids going to college and thinking about their path and stuff. I mean, you can tell this guy took a lot of pride and appreciation in what he did. He was amazing at what he did. And, you know, at some point he'll probably mentor his kids to do it and they'll keep it on. And, uh, you know, it's like for, for people and kids who like rack their brain sometimes around, uh, you know, thinking about how they can use their brain kind of to make money and to, to do these things. It's like, you know, sometimes the answer is simpler than you think it needs to be. There can
1: be a tremendous amount of satisfaction in doing one simple thing, you yep. doing it really well. Yep. You know, and yep. some people miss out on it nowadays.
0: Yeah. I think it's great. Well, thanks Brian. I appreciate you coming man. I think no it was problem. the first podcast we went through. We were about an hour, just over an hour. And, uh, didn't pause did edit <laughs> so I think that's a great thing you might have to go back and edit yeah I don't sure. think so man. it's pretty good thanks dude All appreciate right, it thanks